Uncle Owen! It's R2 unit has a bad motivator, look! Having trouble with your drug? Your drug? These two droids. Both are hard working and will serve you well. Droid. 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 We serve their kind here. You're listening to We Serve Droids, your favorite monthly Star Wars podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Chris. And we are back with some of the middle episodes of Andor tonight. Yeah, I like this uh, next like three episode series here. Nicely broken down. Yeah, it's kind of Aldani movement of the Andor <laughs> symphony, as it were. <laughs> I don't know how you feel, but for me, I felt like this is like really when the show starts cooking with with propane, right? Yeah, we, we can get into it. But yeah, the uh, yeah the show really really starts opening up. Get some some you know great character introduction and you know character expansion and some hot action sequences, heists, you name it. I feel like this is where the show. I mean, you mentioned like in the first three, there's a lot of sort of spy craft, but I think this is where it really becomes a political show. Is in this mm-hmm. arc, like a show about a revolution. Yeah. We're in the Imperial Senate, right? And they're not like throwing things at each other or Jedi's <laughs> bouncing around and people cackling. Was the Senate like half empty? I think so. <laughs> I love that. That's such a good image right there. It's, it's, yeah, it's like one of those like, you know, sessions you say three plays up on C SPAM is just like one guy in, in there like filibustering or, you know, you know, do like, reading like a proclamation for, you know, some, you know, <laughs> high school sports team or something. Like that, right. Mon Mothma was like naming the second Tuesday of each April after like the, the local sandwich shop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, since this is where the show really dives into a genre that's, I don't even know if it counts as a like revolution. Like there's not a lot of revolution shows out there where, it's not just that it takes place in revolution. Like it's about the revolution itself. Mm-hmm. I guess Gil Scott Heron was right that the revolution would not be televised. But um, since we're doing that, I thought maybe our little opening bit today could be that I would give you some revolutionary moments and you would pick what Star Wars character you would want in that moment with you. Nice. Does that make sense? I gotcha. Yeah, this should be fun. So I think that uh, the first one is maybe one of the quintessential quintessential revolutionary moments. It's the storming of the Bastille, right? Mm-hmm. We got this like old medieval fortress that has like three people locked up, but we're gonna go, you know, bust the doors down. Who in Star Wars, Chris, would you want to storm the Bastille with? Um, I don't know if it's because we're watching Andor, but yeah, the first thing that kind of popped in my mind was um. Uh, I'm gonna butcher his name. We actually, I don't know if, this, if you want to allow this for since we're jumping ahead, but uh, Olam Andy Circus's character from the Imperial Prison. Uh, One way out. I think that's a great choice right there. Uh, he's got got prison break experience. You know, can't swim, but I mean, nobody's perfect. I don't think the Bastille's surrounded by water, is it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, thankfully it it uh at least in the picture the various pictures i've seen there's no moat or anything <laughs> <laughs> just surrounded by angry mobs 
Um, now that you mentioned like a breaking in kind of thing, I'm gonna go with uh, I hadn't really thought about it. But I'm gonna go with Chewbacca. Right, partly they're they're breaking into the the Death Star, and Chewie's not like he doesn't want to sneak around and wear handcuffs. He just wants to rip people's arms off. That's true. Yeah, uh, he wants to go in ham. He is, yeah, he's probably more appropriate for storing the Bastille kind of angry mob sort of moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the, um, I don't, they weren't known, they don't think they existed at this point in time, but but uh, during the French Revolution, there was a group of people called the Sans-Culottes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 the name rings a bell, but I cannot place them. Yeah, yeah, they were a part of the French Revolution, and I think, like, it literally translates to, like, without pants. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it meant like they were like, you know, middle class or lower. Like they didn't wear the kind of like, uh, you know, uh, overly like uh, flamboyant, uh, you know, uh, early 19th, late 18th century uh, royal garb, as it were. Um, okay. So they're not entirely with about pants. They're not like Donald ducking it. They're just right. pants, fancy pants, right? Right. But I like to think that future generations will lose that that bit of context and assume the sans culottes <laughs> were, were literally without pants. That gives me more Chewbacca vibes right there. It's a very, yeah, a very like a Futurama history moment, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So uh, that's Storm in the Bastille. Let's bring it closer to our country of origin, Chris. And I'm curious, uh, in the winter of our discontent, uh, well, that's actually the wrong country, but I'm curious, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's the what's the uh, the summer? No, that's the wrong thing, too. I'm misquoting Shakespeare here, but let's see. Who would you want to get dysentery with at Valley Forge? Right, You're, you're in Washington's camp. You're just freezing and starving to death, and typhoid and dysentery are just ravaging you. Yeah, I'm sure it's like, like cold, like miserable, muddy. Um, it really makes me think of um, oh, the the that sequence from Solo where they're on whatever god awful planet that was. You know, the we'll have you flying in no time moment. Oh yeah, Mimban. Um, Mimban. Mimban. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think I'll take a. Aaron Wright, because I say the actor's name, his 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 Han Solo for that. Oh yeah, Alden Ehrenreich Solo. Alden Ehrenreich Solo, yeah. I like that. Um, I'm tempted to pick Mimbam Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> hey hey, you know when when the food starts running out, Mimbam Chewbacca's got to eat. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. You want him? You want him on your side for sure. Now, do you want to be around Mimban Chewbacca with dysentery? Is the, is the question. <laughs> You've completely changed my mind, Chris, on that. <laughs> These would be the times that try men's souls. That's what I was. That's, that's what I was. I love that Thomas oh, Paine line. I got the Shakespeare in my head, but I was going for that. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot, right? Mm, there it is. Yeah, I'm just. I've just got like a Wookiee with dysentery just stuck in my head now, and man, it is, yeah. it is not pleasant. I'm going to go with uh, just what was the, the bar in in Mando where they like served soup through a tube? Oh, yeah. Was it on, the, those, was, was it on the fish planet or was that? My yeah, it was on the either? fish planet. Was it the Quarren or the Akbars that ran that place? Which uh, squid guy was it? I want to say it was the Quarren, um, but I, I could be entirely wrong. I'm gonna spend. I'm gonna get dysentery with a random Quarren guy because I mean, if those guys are 
eating at that that fish soup bar. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just business as usual for them. Yeah, right? they, that's probably right. That 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 soup goop didn't look cooked at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, day one of the Oregon Trail, they already have dysentery, <laughs> so they they know like what kind of toilet, what leaves to use. Right. Right. They're you know gonna what, be very prepared. They know what sticks to grind up in their in their <laughs> for fiber. Yeah. Right. Right. How about uh, Chris? You got to pick someone from Star Wars. Uh, we're gonna go a little south of the United States of America to a Caribbean island and say, whom in Star Wars would you want to massacre some Haitian plantation owners with? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great revolutions, the Haitian Revolution. Oh man, hmm. Uh, I mean, I think for pure massacre, I'm just thinking maybe back to Mando, just like in the uh, like the Terminator Two style, like flashback from um, Mandalore. I think you want like some uh, if you want some good massacre, and you need some some K two robots. So that's what I'm gonna go for there. I like that. Um, they're good at the massacring. I mean, I think the the person you don't want is uh, anyone from Tatooine, right? They're more yeah. of the get massacred in that particular <laughs> revolution, right? <laughs> I'm not sure Watto or anyone from the Lars family is escaping yeah. the Haitian Revolution. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I guess I guess L three is kind of the obvious answer, right? Uh, yeah, it's already got sort of a liberatory vibe about her. That's, that's, that's a good call there. I do like that. That's that's a really good call. So, uh, wow, man, I really have a lot here in the Americas because my next one is the Mexican Revolution, and in particular, everyone's favorite general from the Mexican Revolution, and has bestowed his name to Mexican restaurants all across these United States. If you were gonna ride with Pancho Pancho Villa, whom would you want riding beside you, Chris? Ooh. So I feel like you got to go something, you know, semi-westernish, right? So you're going Mandalorian. So, I mean, I think you're probably going Cobb Vant at that point, right? Oh, oh. Tim- Tim- Timothy Oliphant. Oh, I love that choice. That's that's mine. M- Mando armor optional, but preferable. <laughs> well, I like that because he's also kind of cosplaying. And- yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, you get the idea of all these, like, gringos who wanted to go join up and play cowboy south of the border. (laughs) I love that pick. That's the right pick. I was going to go with just Mando himself. I mean, that's, that's, that's solid. That's a solid pick there for sure. Yeah, partly because Pancho Villa was, like, so much, like, self promotion and, like, I'm going to wear this big sombrero and I'm going to strap the bandolier. <laughs> I mean, Boba Fett maybe is the ultimate bandolier guy. Yeah. But I, or, um, oh man. Oh, what's, oh, what's, is it Chrysanthemum? I think he's got some, some bandoliers going on too, right? If you're just, just looking for, pure, for pure bandolier porn. You could drop Chrysanthemum into any of these revolutions. Really? He's, he's <laughs> like yeah, the wild card for revolutions. You can play it. him on any suit. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I feel like Mando likes to play all, like, you know, modest and, and quiet. Mm-hmm. But it's like he walks into a bar in full Mandalorian garb. Like, you know what you're doing there. Right. 
We'll, we'll, we'll go very far east uh, this time, or I guess you could get there by going west too, right? That's the way globe works. Uh, let's say you needed a certain comrade, Chris, you could entrust to arrest and safely lock up the Czar's family. You know, just make sure they're locked up where no one would ever see them again. Keep the kids nice and healthy. Assure all, you know, the royal families of Europe that, that, that they're okay. Just, mm. just they're not allowed to see him anymore. So you need someone who's, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, maybe a little, little power hungry, following orders, right? Um, uh-huh. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to stay close to home for this one and go with our, uh, our favorite uh, deputy inspector here. That's that's my pick. Um, <laughs> oh his, man, I forget his yes. name. Uh, oh, oh, the deputy inspector. I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were. Um, Oh, the I chief was, inspector? I, I, was, no, no, I'll, no, no. I'll, well, I'll, chief inspector is 100% like a party. What is it, like an apparitch, you say, or something I, like that? I, mean, I, I think the guy was actually like in Chernobyl. That's <laughs> yeah. like one of those guys. I was going to say, I, I thought you were going to go with the sergeant, the gung-ho. Uh, oh, crap. That is that is the better pick, isn't it? <laughs> Shit. Uh, damn it. Crap. That is... He he played. I think he played like the um oh like the leader of like the mining guys in Chernobyl. Yeah, right? he I did. Want to say. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I love that guy. That guy's fantastic. Crap, that is the better pick. That is the. Better I like pick. him because you give him the like communist propaganda, and he's like, <laughs> I don't need to read it. Like I'm just like I'll just sign up for full endorsing whatever you want me to endorse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to spy on me. I'm a hundred percent in. Yeah, you, I'll, I'll, I'll spy for you. <laughs> right. Who do you want me to monitor? I was initially thinking Lobot just for the, uh, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> he's not going to rat you out. He's going to keep things quiet and close to the chest. Right. You, you press those buttons. He just wakes up and, you know, <laughs> you know, does what he needs to do, cleans up, and no one's the wiser. <laughs> Is Lobot a Manchurian candidate, Chris? I mean, he, I think he fits the, he checks the boxes for sure. Yeah. He just gets activated, right? Like, do you, do you think he was running Cloud City before Lando showed up and like Manchurian Tim? You think that's what oh, happened? Yeah. That's 100% <laughs> what happened. Yeah. Do the normal people of Cloud City think that Lobot is still in charge? Right. Like, his, his name's still on the paychecks. He's still like, you know, signing <laughs> stuff. And he'll answer the phone when you call him, but he's he's not he's not all there. <laughs> You've got about a twenty second period of time to carry on a conversation with Lobot. <laughs> I think I mentioned that joke before that he might have been lobotomized. <laughs> when you're right, you're right. <laughs> well, uh, how about? Uh, a little south of the Russian one, Chris, and we will go with, uh, you got to purge some bourgeois capitalists with Mao in his great proletarian cultural revolution. Oh, man, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm just, I'm staying, I think I'm just going to, I don't know if it's because we just watched it or I'm staying close to home, but I'm going to go with, um, oh, the, um, the guy writing like the manifesto and everything right on, on Andor, like the, the true believer, um, you know, talking oh, about, you mean Nimic comrade Nimic 
Nimic, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Com- I, I'm, I'm, I'm going comrade, full comrade Nimic on this one. He's, he is a true believer in the call. <laughs> and we'll, we'll do what needs to be done. I like that because he's, he's very like college student esque. So he's definitely like, you know, the professor who he believes, you know, has, you know, an inch of not commitment to the revolution is going to get reported by Comrade Nimick. Right. <laughs> I like that. I had someone else in mind, but it, it ju- he just popped into my head, Chris. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm going to go back to Obi-Wan and I'm going to go with Hans Gruber Mole Man. The guy who like drove the truck with the yeah. the, the rebel flag on the back that, that oh, picks man. up Obi Wan and the Imperials. God, that's that's a good one. <laughs> he's 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 got the transportation right. He, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's he's in. You know, yeah. oh man, that's, that's a good pick. I like that. Yeah, I think uh, Hans Gruber Moleman is a hundred percent down uh, for. He never liked this whole let a hundred flowers bloom bullshit, right? You know, like he recognized that was a mistake from the beginning by 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 his beloved chairman. And uh he's ready to right those wrongs. Right. <laughs> One bumper sticker at a time. <laughs> That's all I've got. I don't know if, if you want to add any, you can, but certainly I did not uh ask you to come prepared to do so oh no those those are perfect i don't think i can i mean revolutions that we hit hit all the high marks those are great oh sure i mean you know like i mean you get like around vietnam but the ewoks are already sort of like explicitly that (laughs) so i mean yeah we we hit all the ones that weren't just you know like directly more or less directly referenced by star wars well i mean i think all Uh, these are directly referenced by andors (laughs) Uh, I mean, I mean, it it it, it really is like a uh, like a like a sampler platter. <laughs> That's true. That is nice. You get your your potato skins, your mozzarella sticks, and your nachos of all the revolutions. Yeah, it's just you know, it's it's the best value, Scott. You can't really afford not to buy it. <laughs> There's so many things on the menu. It like this is this is the way to go, right? You can't right, pick yeah. one. Well, well let's back. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Oh no! I, I didn't have anything worthwhile. To add, <laughs> we can keep we can keep riffing on the Ruby Tuesday sampler platter. I don't. Mind. I know. I can. I can go all night. I mean, I can. <laughs> I can pull up the menu here. Uh, man. Also, yeah. Rest in peace, Ruby Tuesday. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you know this, Scott. They are they are gone. They are. They are I did not. Much, yeah. They 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 have they are hardcore bankrupt and gone. Everywhere our parents took us to on a Sunday afternoon is no longer with us. I know this because my wife loves loved past tense Ruby <laughs> Tuesday, and I have trouble picking them out from between between all of the other restaurants. You're exactly oh, sure. like Ruby Tuesday, <laughs> right? You're like, I'll get the country fried steak, and like, we don't have that, sir. That's an Applebee's. Yeah. Oh, is this not Applebee's? <laughs> Which, which one is all, this again? All this shit nailed to the wall seems to say otherwise. Brian, for example, has 37 pieces of flair on. I'm sorry. What what, what TGI Friday is this? The, yeah. What kind of TGI Friday is this? The? Thank God it's Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> they should have merged TGIT, TGI Tuesday. Yeah. I guess TGI Friday is still a thing. I have no idea. <laughs> They feel, I feel like TGI Fridays has the like, we, like the 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 hotel bar vibe. 
Yes. Right. You're Hap- staying at like a Hampton Inn or a somewhere in that, you know, not cheap but not expensive hotel. There's always like three hotels and then there's a, a TGI Fridays right next to it and you end up at the bar. Hey, if you're if you're rolling deep, you can get the one like the hotel with like the TGI Fridays like in it. Like, you know, mm. down, just off the lobby, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If you're if you're if you're confident to the work account, go to the TGI Friday hotel. Right. You, you know you've made it then, you know. Maybe you, 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 you eat there, right? It just bills back to the room. You know, no one no one pays too much attention to the expense account. You know, you're, you're good to go. I'd like to check in. I'd like to check in for the not itemized bill, sir. Right. Can I build these? Can I build these wings straight back to my room, please? You're either here for work or you're having an affair. <laughs> Between those two, that's a hundred percent of our guests, sir. <laughs> It's like I'm sorry. So are these the only two reasons this this type of hotel model exists? Right. <laughs> we, we catered to no other clientele. Right. We we have maximal deniability for any incurred expenses. <laughs> when, when you stay, we'll build under the TGI Fridays. <laughs> Your wife yeah. just thinks he went out to for a very expensive dinner. <laughs> All right. Well, let us jump into this Aldani arc of Andor. That's what it's called. Yes. Look, sir. What have we here? Look, sir. Oh, what a mess. With the glass shield down, I can't even see. Look, sir. These aren't the droids you're looking for. I guess what do we open up on? Like, uh, we're, we've just escaped uh, Ferrix, right? Luthan and Andor are on the ship. Is that right? Yeah, we're on on the old specially modified Fondor Holecraft or whatever they keep calling it. That and I have, I don't know, I have no idea what that is. Right. They do say it like I'm supposed to know. Like even like Cassie says, like I've I've been on Fondor Holecraft before. I even flew one. They don't do this and. <laughs> Uh, okay, I, I'm, I'm buying in whatever you're, whatever you're laying down here. Let's go. That's right, and we see that Luthen has just really done the research on Andor. Right, he knows, he knows like not just Andor's story. He knows like the lies that Andor tells as a part of his story. Right, right. It's like no, like you were you're in for six months and you came in as a cook. You weren't in for you know two years as a foot soldier or whatever. <laughs> Bullshit. Cassian tried to lay down. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah, he's like, no, I was, I wasn't a cook. It was like that Jean Claude Van Damme movie. I was, I was, <laughs> I was, I was in the CIA, was but undercover. Under <laughs> <laughs> I was just making the the cake for the stripper to pop out <laughs> as part of my cover. But yeah, you know, we get some real like I don't know, kind of inspiring stuff here, like Luthen's line, like you're gonna die fighting these bastards, you know, to, like he's really reading Andor's future to him, isn't he? I love like the, you know, wouldn't you rather, you know, give it all at once and, you know, cutting off a piece at a time, that kind of whole deal. Yeah, that was that really, I uh, mean, anything Stellan Skarsgård does, I'm I'm really enjoying his character. Get me Skellen, I don't I mean, you gotta like de-age or age, you gotta like de-age, uh, de-age him to, to make this happen, but I would love the meeting between Skellen, Stellan Skarsgård's character here 
and Werner Herzog's imperial, like a young Werner Herzog <laughs> oh, imperial man. character. You get those two guys in a room, and that's some fireworks right there. Just like debating the finer points of like imperial rule. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, man. Somebody make that happen, please. So Andor agrees to participate in some kind of little gambit for a cool $200,000, right? Yeah, 200,000 fun bucks and like a <laughs> necklace or something to be named later. <laughs> right. Whatever that's about. It seems like that's like, isn't that only like 10 trips on the Millennium Falcon? Like it doesn't <laughs> seem like it's that much, right? I mean, you wonder like, like how much was Han Solo gouging? <laughs> right. Ben and Luke, or like what's, you know, what what is, what exists six years before Yavin, right? Isn't that what episode one said? Or five Maybe years? we've just got some Weimar Republic inflation going on between now and then. That's where I was going. Like where, where, like what's, like what is, what basket of goods does that, does that money buy right now? <laughs> I'm going to need to know, know the difference here. Like they, 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 are they shoveling wheelbarrows full of, you know, credits up to buy, you know, uh, whatever that portion bread was. <laughs> Oh, yeah. from, Those Capri Sun packets from yeah. from uh, from from Force Awakens, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows how many like rolls of gold from the payroll vault that would take? Uh, I'm sorry, I need to step away for just one second. Yep. I have, yeah, I have, yeah, no worries. I have, uh, no worries. Party fouled and spilled my drink. Sorry, one <laughs> one sec. Okay, sorry about that. That's okay. I felt even worse because uh, Under Siege is uh, Steven Seagal, not JCVD. Oh, I think I knew that, but I, I did not catch that you said Van Damme over Seagal, so I, I apologize for that. Yeah. No, I just want to get that out before the scores of angry emails from the the Seagal fans out there. We, we, we don't. We don't want another, um, ah, shit. What was the, uh, oh, yeah, Billy D. Williams, right? Billy I don't D. Williams want to look and, up uh, a bad Seagal JCVD movie. I don't want to watch The Expendables or something. I, th- right? I, th- I think that's your only, your only option if you want both of those guys, <laughs> right? We're shutting this podcast down before I have to watch The Expendables. <laughs> Let's jump to, uh, to Coruscant, right? That's a fun introduction here on this arc. Yes, I mean this is our first time, kind of, right here, right in this in Endor, right? Like we've only been mm-hmm. on um, with with more or less with Cassian and, and crew up to this point, so we're on like full on Coruscant, right? Going into the old ISB here. This is something about this whole shot is communicates everything, doesn't it? You mean just like the city shot, or like the the ISB? All of it, like the like, as soon as Deidre starts walking, you're like, "Oh, here's a Gestapo lady." Right. I mean, <laughs> it just streams like Stasi or Gestapo or something, doesn't it? I mean, if you're if you're wearing a is it, oh, what's not a fog coat? What the hell is it called? A trench coat? Yeah. If you're wearing, if you're in a trench coat carrying a briefcase, I mean, come on, come on. You're either three little rascals stacked up on top of each other, <laughs> or you're a bad guy from the middle of the 20th century. Yeah, like if you, you know, if you walk in a door, you know, peel off your gloves and throw them <laughs> in your your trench coat to a subordinate. I mean, yeah, you're 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 yeah, you're a Nazi. Let's 
You're not fooling anybody. Yeah, yeah. Dear listener, if you take off your gloves one finger at a time, <laughs> it's time to reevaluate your opinion, your like racial views. <laughs> if you meticulously peel off like your, you know, like mid mid forearm length leather gloves, <laughs> you know, have to peel off your your jack boots or whatever. I always wear riding pants. <laughs> and you have a crop with you just, just in case. An overly, overly elaborate collapsible coat hanger. Oh, yeah. That's the key right there. Mm. Uh, but then you just, I don't know. I just thought, like, Im- you just immediately know what Deidre is about, right? Oh, yeah. And I also think the architecture of the building is, like, really brilliant. Yeah, it's it's like a... Um, like parts of this, I mean, parts of the other city we see like, are like real, like, you know, like brutalist kind of, you mm-hmm. know, cold war era, but this, yeah, this looks like something, you know, what's the word like conspicuously, inconspicuously, conspicuous, whatever you want to call it. Like this, like this building looks like it's, it's trying too hard to blend in. Just like this is a hundred percent a building you would see. In a Washington D.C. or a Brasilia or a just you know pick your kind of like nation's capital, right? And this could like a hundred percent be like the FBI headquarters or the mm-hmm. CIA headquarters. It just has a real like you say kind of you know postmodern kind of design where like some architect really designed it for this reason, and it's got the tr- you know got the little like train that goes all the way into it kind of thing, right. so they can yeah. hurry off to the Senate. Um, it just it immediately feels like a government building in a certain yes, kind of way. Yes. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was having trouble nailing down. Like, it feels like a, like government or, you know, something along those lines. And then, you know, we walk in and we get a, one of our favorite, uh, right, disgraced maesters from uh, from Game of Thrones, don't we? Oh, man, I'm so happy to see him here. This, he's, uh, he's, he's really loving this. I mean, I love a pie burn. This is what a great what an once it's once once he's there, it's so obvious that he's the guy. Oh yeah, yeah. He has just the the whole attitude, like the the back and forth discourse here in the room is is really interesting. Like if have you ever seen the movie um, Conspiracy? It's got um, Travolta, Kenneth Kenneth Bragg, and Stanley Tucci in it. It's about. Oh, um, I was thinking Conspiracy a, Theory. Sorry. Oh no! It's just called conspiracy. It's 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 about um, the one C conference that the Nazis had about like the the final solution, and it's yeah. it's 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 heavily based on I think some like or like like the one report they found like intact from like the minutes of the conference or something. It's so, like it's very you know just people in a room discussing like you know very matter of factly like these horrible horrible atrocities and that's that's the same kind of you know like vibe i'm getting i can hear it's just you know these you know these people just you know casually giving their reports on like these you know these sorts same sorts of things great call i like how the room has that sort of like a uh, cold war like it can't be recorded kind of vibe, like soundproof yes. walls kind of vibe <laughs> to it like they're yeah. in, it looks a little bit like they're inside of the spaceship Earthride from Epcot. A little bit. <laughs> it's, 
it's it's got some it's got a little bit of Doctor Strange Love War Room in there too. I think. Yeah. You, you get the big board, right? It does have the, the big board. The it's got a beautiful table. big board. Yeah. <laughs> the table. Good call. This is a hundred percent a Strange Love table. I hadn't considered that. It's 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 you know it's it's like you know it's got like the you know like the soundproof walls right you walk in there like you know like all the glass fogs up like the windows cover up or whatever like it's yeah I'm with you like it's got that kind of yeah like no one yeah, no one no one in no one out no one's lip reading no one's doing anything in this room right right I'd not pegged it as strange love but that's 100 percent right. Everyone has who's talked about the show has kind of said this, so maybe it's not worth repeating, but it's such a very fascinating way they introduce Deidre where they really kind of like pull our sympathies to her in this scene. These early scenes where she has, you know, kind of her rival who's kind of a, a schmarmy guy. She seems like very, you know, eager to please, right? You know, from, like she repeats like the answer verbatim that mm-hmm. the, the Kyburn wants and it's, it's wrong and... Yeah, in a way that, like, there's a certain kind of movie where if they weren't all fascists, she would be <laughs> right. the person we'd be rooting for, right? Yes, yes. The Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Because, I mean, here she's kind of like, I mean, I guess you might say here she's kind of like the girl boss wearing Hugo Boss. <laughs> <laughs> But we're so conditioned <laughs> to kind of like root for the girl bosses just from the past, you know, 20 years of movies, you know? Mm. I mean, she she does seem to be, you know, in contrast to the others, less willing to say what she wants, I guess, like, or she's, she's working for like the greater, when her mind is like the greater good of, you know, the Empire, I guess, as we'll see later and not just to please the, uh. Major Major Kyburn over there, right? Right, right. Yeah, she's actually gonna like do her job, not just pretend to. Right. But I just find it fascinating that they 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 keep tempting our sympathies to her, and I think once we get into the the next arc, they they really show that they shouldn't be. <laughs> but I just yeah. you know, unless she starts torturing people, but yeah. that's it's just I don't know, a very fascinating way, in a, in a way that mirrors like the rebels too right i mean like someone like luthan is is you know in the abstract someone we might feel at the very least ambiguous about like not wholly mm. good towards right i mean and maybe that's maybe that's a theme for the show like there aren't really none of the characters here are, you know wholly you know one thing or the other i mean they're you know, they each have their 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 own goals but i mean Cassian, you know, murders two people in the first, yeah. five, you know, five minutes of the show's opening. I mean, this is, you know, there there are no clean hands, I guess, in the show. Right, right. And the bad guys aren't like cartoon, right? They're not Emperor Palpatine cackling or right. a Darth Vader dressed in black, just lightsabering people all the time. You know, like, I mean, like they're functionally the worst, right? Like the, the, oh, the yeah. purpose they serve is grotesquely evil. But they're still like obviously human. Yeah, they're they're a they're a bureaucratic evil, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which I guess you could argue is probably it's worse. Has, has worse aspects about it. Yeah, is actually going to end up killing way more people. I think that um, like there's a sense in which like it's a show like 
ostensibly about the rebellion, but it's as much a show about the empire. Mm-hmm. And I and, think that really comes through in these scenes. I mean, I think I've, I've been yelling about this <laughs> for as long as you've been doing this podcast. I, I love these little glimpses we get into the, you know, hellish bureaucracy that, mm-hmm. that, that, that exists under Imperial rule for, I mean, just in general. And then just for like the everyday person, as we will see that, I think really helps sell how like just how much the empire was disliked for like the average imperial, you know, average galactic citizen, what have you. Yeah. That I think really, really makes the, you know, really helps, you know, to me make, you know, the depictions in like the OT, the original trilogy, like more believable. Mm hmm. I will have many episodes to to harp on this later. So, <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. You better have those notes from the soft lands repaired by midday, or they'll be held at See you in hell. See you in hell. It's out of order, but another fun scene with these this whole kind of crew is when the. Uh, the kind of big dog rival guy when he dresses down all the private security guys. That's a lot of fun. Oh, oh my God. We, we can hit on that later if you want. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> Let's that's, just get that's, right that's, there now. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Is that an episode five it's, or six? It's this first episode. It's around like the 15 minute mark of this first okay. episode. I'm, I'm yeah. happy to go there. Was, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I, my, my favorite fucking sergeant is there. <laughs> Yes, I love this guy. Uh, he like, the, raises his hand to ask yes, a question. Yes, uh, <laughs> And I mean, and this this guy, actor or not, like he's this guy. This is this is his favorite part of his job. Just just shitting on these private security guy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, this the whole like. Well, you can take some solace in the fact that you won't be replaced. <laughs> like you you yeah. you have fucked up so badly. <laughs> Uh, it's a thing of beauty that whole scene. Oh, it is fantastic. The 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 inspector's like I, I wasn't even here. I I couldn't be responsible for Chernobyl's meltdown. I was at sleep. <laughs> what have you? I have the na- I have the names of those responsible. <laughs> Dad, that was really mean. So, uh, on Aldani, where, where the bulk of this whole arc takes place, right? Luthen leaves mm-hmm. the, the necklace we've mentioned as a down payment, uh, which is really kind of a show of confidence in a lot of ways, right? That, mm-hmm. that Andor won't die, that he won't run. Like, kind of both of those those, those ideas. Yeah, like, he, he wants it back, right? He's, you know, he's, uh, I'm not, I promise I'm not sending you on a suicide mission, you know. Mm-hmm. I want this back. Yeah, it's very expensive. Which I mean, uh, yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. Because I mean, from Cassian's standpoint, like he can promise me whatever the hell he wants if he thinks right. I'm just gonna go in here and get slaughtered. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's a nice like leadership kind of thing to sort of like instill some belief, mm-hmm. and um, and then he does some more leadership when he's trying to like right sell her to Vel. Like, I mean, he gets pissed when she starts moping. And, I mean, and he kind of, you know, was like, like, hey, I'm not even the boss here. Like, she's she's in charge. Right. We, that may, may not absolutely be the case, but it's what he's telling Cassian. Sure. So. Right. Your name isn't Cassian. It's Mr. White. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the Michael Madsen of the group? It's got to be. Uh, Ooh. It's got to be Skeen, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I can think of his name. Yeah, you're absolutely He's correct the there. Mr. Blonde of the group. Um, um, Comrade Nimick is the Steve Buscemi, you think? I, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, is Cassian is, is Cassian Tim Roth in this instance? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's um, right. I forget what Tim Roth from Tim Roth's color was, but yeah. Is um, he Mr. Orange? I forget. That sounds right. Um, is is Luthen the um, the old guy? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to say, is he Harvey Keitel or is he the guy? I guess he's the old guy, right? He, he's maybe he's maybe he's a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Yeah, he, he's not quite you know looking at looking through his his book in the diner. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, let's see. Cinta is the is the Quentin Tarantino character because they both just aren't really in it that much. <laughs> <laughs> but just kind of like mostly anonymous. Uh, if good. she had one aside about the Madonna song "Like a Virgin," that would really seal the deal. But right, yeah, they, they don't really. You know, they, just, they just get it's <laughs> not there anymore. Get killed yeah, off camera. Just kind of kind of vanish. Um, the guy who works, the guy who's like the imperial officer. He's oh, uh, yeah, like like the imperial like governor or prefect or whatever. Like, no, with, with, no, no, the the turncoat. Oh, the uh, the lieutenant. Yeah, yeah, he's like nice guy Eddie, right? Like in the windsuit, the the old guy's nephew or something. <laughs> I like that. It's perfect. Is is like the the imperial cop or the guy with like the family? Like is he is he is he uh the cop? Oh, <laughs> the, uh, maybe the cop, I was the thinking cop in the trunk. Or you're like Mr. Mr. Blue, who's like the old guy who like maybe never says a word. <laughs> maybe right. that was sent yeah. to Mr. Blue. <laughs> um. Oh, but like, like back to stuff too. Like you know, Luthen's like you know, hey, like you know, when he's trying to sell Andor, you know, he's like you know, this guy's you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, he's it's the benefits of a merc, you know, he's disposable, <laughs> right? Yeah. Luthen is so great in that. He can talk out of both sides of his mouth, but also be telling the truth both times. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's not wrong, right? But yeah, he's uh, he is. Um, I guess in this stage of the rebellion, like exactly what they they need. Yeah, it's kind of cool for a show to just add like, oh yeah, here's actually the mastermind of the whole rebellion, like. Without this one guy, none of this would happen. And you've never heard of him before. But given the way he operates, um, it makes sense that you'd never heard of him. Right. I mean, yeah, he he's not, like, slapping his his visage on, like, banners and leaflets and shit like that. Like, he is. He, I mean, we'll, we'll get to what, he, what else, other stuff later. But, yeah, he is very much a, you know, behind-the-scenes kind of guy. Yeah, there's that name for that kind of like cell structure, you know, that like the French resistance used where like mm-hmm. is a way to like make sure that you can never turn in other people. Like you never right. know the names of anyone else outside of your cell. Right. I forget the name for that, but it's like, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. impossible to crack if done well. Yeah, I know and what I you're like talking the, about. That Luthen mm-hmm. does that. So, but um. Yes. Oh, yeah. So it's the same. We get, we get, um, crap what's his what's what's the name cassian gives uh clem clem that's it clem <laughs> clem was clem, clem the redneck on uh that's cletus the slack jawed yokel i mean 
Clem, Clem sounds like you know he's 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 uh you know um repaired one too many voice moisture evaporators on Tatooine. That's that's what I get from a Clem. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it doesn't inspire confidence. A name like mm. Clem, like it's hard to say. Like Clem provides Clem Clint critical redundancy right. on every position with a, with a name like Clem. It's like, oh, that's Clem. He hits stuff with a wrench until it starts working. <laughs> <laughs> so old Clem's gonna get gotta get introduced to the whole crew, right? Yeah. So they, they head back, right? They find out what the plan is. Get a begrudging introduction to everybody. Yeah. Um. You just want to stick with these guys for the time being? Let's stick with these guys because yeah. I really want to completely uh, turn 90 degrees, Chris, and turn this into a Comrade Nimick appreciation podcast. Man. Because, God, I love Comrade Nimick. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember if we said it on air or not, but I, I think you made the observation, like, this is this is the type of guy that like would, should be with the rebellion. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like this is, like this is you know, this like you you should you should be seeing this guy like this guy is is inevitable like this guy is is who the rebellion is all it's all about at least at this stage. Yeah, he's been a missing piece in the story, hasn't he? Like, mm-hmm. like why hasn't this guy been here before? Um, and it's it's really just a great moment when it's like you know around the the horn and it's like oh yeah here's like Skeen the former you know, arrested guy, and here's Cinta, the angry, beautiful woman, and here's the former stormtrooper, and mm-hmm. here's Trotsky. And he, you're like, wait, wait what? Leon, what? Leon Trotsky's <laughs> in the group? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he goes by, by Nimic. I mean, it's I mean, it's, it's a great moment because, you know, like, I think Cassian is former in service. Um, Skeen does. This is a former stormtrooper. There's the lieutenant. I mean, there's – I mean, but there have to be – yeah, like you said, like other people that aren't just, you know, people who have been chewed up and spit out by the system. Like there are after people who like are outside of it, objectively looking at it and saying, this is wrong. This should not yeah. exist. Yeah, and having some like former military people, again, is very historically accurate. You know, I mean, especially mm-hmm. for something like the Russian Revolution where it's like, I mean, part of the main reason the Bolsheviks won was that like, you know, they had like the military, like whoever had the military on the side was going to win the thing, you know, like, yeah. I mean, like, I think historically speaking, that's, that's probably the case. Right. For, yeah. For most like, revolutions. Yeah. Right. That's, that's like one of the main reasons like Napoleon got handed the gig, like after the, uh, like the, the, you know, the French Republic kind of collapsed on itself. Right. Like mm-hmm. you need someone who has both the know-how and the means, um, and so it makes sense to have a lot of these kinds of guys. But I have assembled, Chris, my oh, yes. in David Letterman fashion, I have assembled my top ten comrade nimic moments from this arc. I am I am this is I am I was not expecting this. This is this is the best thing I've heard all day. This is this is great. I am I am eagerly awaiting this. You have no idea. Only thing I've ever put research into on this podcast. <laughs> That's not saying much, but it's saying something. <laughs> this is a lot about the wrong thing. 
<laughs> so uh, you had to come with ten and not a lot of minutes. So number number not a lot of minutes of, of screen time for Conrad Nimick. We, we, we can 10. just turn this in, into like the Conrad Nimick Appreciation Podcast. <laughs> That's what it is if now. You want. That's what it is. Uh, number ten. I love that Conrad Nimick wears. Like, right, I mentioned he's a kind of Trotsky Russian Revolution guy. And look at him. He's got an Ashanka. He's got, like, the the warm hat with the ear flaps on. It's not just about what's in the head. It's what's covering the head, Chris. <laughs> like, they're, they're not just trying to, you know, um, blend in with, like, the, uh, the nomadic, you know, shepherds and things like that. He'd be wearing this either way, right? Oh, <laughs> this, yeah. This is, this is his default appearance. <laughs> That's right, right. If you pick this character from the screen, this is the clothes he's he's. Sta- you got to buy custom clothes for him not to be wearing this. Yeah, if if they were on a jungle planet, right, they'd be wearing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, too bad. He's gonna wear the cool little Russian hat with the ear flaps. Uh, right, no matter what. Number nine of my favorite uh, Nimic moments is when Skeen tries to embarrass him about writing a manifesto and he is a hundred percent not embarrassed about it i mean if you're if you're on a manifesto like level of you know <laughs> writing i mean you've, you've nothing to be embarrassed about like, that's like true. Oh, have, have you read my have you read my my, my fucking manifesto yeah that's right <laughs> that's right yeah i guess the prerequisite to starting a manifesto is already like the lack of the ability to be embarrassed, right? Oh yeah, when when you when you've reached the point where he's like, "Hey, I should write a manifesto." That's it. Like it's you know you've already transcended the ability, you know the 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 possibility of being embarrassed. Yeah, I like reclaiming manifesto uh, that the show does because I feel like in the post Ted Kaczynski era, the word manifesto has been very difficult to like. You know, it'd be like if in Star Trek, like you're trapped in like a a, a prison on some weird planet, and a guy's writing a mm-hmm. manifesto. You know, this guy's no good. Like you 100 yeah. percent know he's a he's a madman. Yeah, I guess. When did manifesto become just like? Oh, he wrote like a really long suicide note. <laughs> kind of, yeah, I think it's Ted Kaczynski ruined it. I, I, I don't I know. Think, I think you're right. Yeah, it's just. If you if your suicide note drags on a little too long or or what have you, yeah, that's that's, that's what you get. But yeah, this is in the truest sense like a a, man, a manifesto. A, uh, yeah, right, like the communist manifesto. Like mm-hmm. that's what he's writing here, and I love how how unshy he is about it, despite the attempt to embarrass him about it. Number eight on the great Nimic moments is, of course, the saddest Nimic moment, but it's great because of how over-the-top symbolic it is. I could, of course, only be talking about Comrade Nimic's ultimate demise. His, his, his great sacrifice, Scott. It truly is, and when the, like, the proto-communist of the show is crushed by literal money, uh, <laughs> right, like it is... It is uh subtlety has gone uh, out the window. I mean it's like that guy in uh oh she does it how what's the English book where the guy gets like the 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 wannabe middle class guy gets like crushed by the books and like Howard's in or I don't know, one of those lame books you got oh, in college. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. Something like that. Uh number seven is I love the moment when Nimic is completely heartbroken to learn that Andor is being paid to be there. Oh yeah, that was ah, oh, that was from 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 the external observer. That was that was a delicious moment. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, right, he's the <laughs> true believer, and boy, does that sting. But the next morning is number six, and that is when Nimic, in the period of one night, comes up with the ideological flexibility about Andor being paid. And it's like, you know what? I couldn't sleep. I wrote a new chapter in my manifesto about you and why it's good that you're with us. Right. I mean, in the Empire, we use any means necessary, so why shouldn't we, you know, deploy all those means instead? Well, That's right. Should- it's like... Yeah, it's like you're a tool and we would be dumb not to use you. And I've written a whole chapter about it. (laughs) Number five, uh, I don't have the exact line, but he says it somewhere. And I I found this to be like such a um, profound line. He says something about how like the empire will hide behind a hundred atrocities with the idea that like, like a human mind can can be can react to one big thing, but when it's a thousand things, we just tune it out. I don't know if you, do you remember the line I'm talking about. Uh, it rings a bell. I'm, I'm having trouble placing exactly where it was, but it's oh, I think there's like a quote attributed to Stalin that like has like a similar sort of thing, like you know, like <laughs> except one, he's on the other side of the quote. <laughs> oh, I know. It's you know, like what. Like yeah. one, like like one death is a is a tragedy, you know. A hundred deaths is you know battle or you know something like that. Like it just you know. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's that kind of idea exactly, right? Where like some like it's a something's a a tragedy, something something's a statistic kind of thing. I think is what right. it is. Like one Precisely. death a tragedy is a million deaths a statistic or something like that. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's that's probably the correct quote. <laughs> I just looked it up. The The pace, this is what he says, the pace okay. of repression outpaces our ability to understand it. And that is the real trick of the imperial thought machine. It is easier to hide behind 40 atrocities than a single incident. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's so true. Like, and so emblematic of, like, the modern world, you know? I mean, yeah, it's, it's you know, after, you know, it just becomes when it becomes you know difficult to conceptualize it just becomes something abstract that you know you can gloss over <laughs> for- yeah it's it's like when people can it's like you know when people complain about like 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 national budgets and they're like mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want to spend a million dollars on whatever. Right. But, but then the, the budget is fourteen, you know, fifty trillion dollars. <laughs> right. Like, right, like right. Your thing you're complaining about isn't even a rounding error <laughs> right. in relation to this. Right, right. So to increase like spending on one thing from like, you know, five million to ten million feels like a lot. But then when, like, the defense budget is, like, you know, 500 billion, you know, to, you, right. it, when it's, like, set, when, like, even though it's a bigger expansion, it feels insignificant because just the numbers are so large. Yeah, like, it, it feels significant in the context of your personal budget, but in the scope of the national budget, it is, it is you know, it is a... It is isn't even like a statistical like abnormality. It is right, right. it is it is something they just they they they, they round down. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so number four, I think this one actually might be worth coming back to at the at the end of this is I find that uh, comrade comrade Nimick's relationship with Skeen is very endearing. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's kind of where he's introduced, right? He's like kind of falling asleep, and Skeen is kind of like, "Hey, you got to wake up, and you got to tell the boss about it." And yeah, I don't know. They just seem like they have a very kind of like sweet relationship. They do seem to be like like two sides to the to you know to the same rebellion coin, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like they're you know one's very you know like very you know intellectual you know like high high concept the other is very you know pragmatic get the job done sort of sort of deal um i don't know for lack of a better word to go back to the historical revolutions that opened up you could see both of these guys in like the sort of like anarchists in spain Mm -hmm. like fighting franco right where like you have some like i'm thinking here of like folks who joined up like non-Spanish right. people, mm-hmm. you had some who were like committed anarchists, and then you had some who were just like, you know, Hemingway adventure seekers. Right. Like, just, yes. well, I didn't have anything better to do, and I ran out mm-hmm. of drinking money, you know, so I came here to fight a war. Yeah, like, like. I've, I've, I've got military experience, and the pay is decent, and I don't really hate what we're doing here, so sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, number three is, uh, I thought one that was very endearing and you remember the scene where they're kind of running through the plan of mm-hmm. like how they're going to do the heist and comrade Nimick has constructed like a model. Yes. The, the glue gets, gets soggy. <laughs> Yes. something or whatever yes. someone uh, goes yeah. to remove the roof and he's like let me do that he thinks <laughs> he's scared that like someone's gonna break his model <laughs> i know i'll do it it's fragile that piece the rain gets into the glue that i i think i thought that like on, on this most recent watch at the time like that's that's such a that is such a great like little just addition that that like it it just gives you like exponentially more than it's than it's giving at the point in time. Like it's just it's such a great little little moment that adds so much. I really enjoyed that. It's riding in three dimensions, right? It's like mm-hmm. it takes up no space in the normal two dimensions. Like it doesn't take any extra time to throw that one little line in. Right. Yes. But then on the Z axis it goes so deep. Like oh, it's I know. just it's- like it tells oh, you man. so much about this guy that he worked so hard on this model. It would just be crestfallen if like someone broke it that 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 whole that whole like that that half a second is just paying serious dividends it is uh it's it's great i love that yeah good good call i I really like that (laughs) number two on the top 10 comrade nimic moments (laughs) it's a very early part with him where he's kind of like explaining his little like navigation device, his little astrolab or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like he's got it in one hand and the manifesto in the other. Oh yes, I I, I love this. <laughs> I love this part. Yes, and it's like huge, just sincere grin at like pointing out the comparison between this navigational tool and this manifesto. Right, that, that yes. both are ways not just of seeing the world but of like orienting yourself in the correct way to go right like both essentially provide freedom you know through one means or another yeah right and to me it's just like it's a real like almost like uh like praxis versus theory kind of idea that a distinction that that 
some Marxists kind of make where it's like, you don't just like want to understand the thing. Like you want to know like how to change it, you know? And I just, I just think that it's just such a great, you know, symbol that he's, that he's making. And I, I just love that scene. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm really appreciating, I guess at this point, I mean, maybe before, but just, uh, the, the care I think that's gone into this character just in general. It's, uh, like they could have just easily just thrown in like another gruff soldiery guy, right? For this this whole sequence, and you know, no one would have batted an eye. But man, just uh. Or if he had been even like overly saccharine, it would have been forgivable. Like like if he'd not been so sincere, or, or like you know, if, if if the sincerity wasn't so pal- palatable. I, it it wouldn't have felt bad, you know, just because we're kind of used to these kinds of characters not being taken, not being written seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think it's partly maybe because like the politics of of creators often get in the way that they they can't take a guy like this seriously. Right. Yes. It's. I mean, in 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 most other contexts, <laughs> yeah, it'd be difficult to take a character like this seriously. But in this context. Certainly, like this guy has, you know, he has very valid and correct <laughs> arguments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he's, he's not railing against something, you know, I don't know, that would be inconsequential, like in most other I don't know, forms of media compared to, you know, a overbearing galactic empire. <laughs> hey, hey, you want a wonga? They want a wonga. They wanna wanna wonder. They wanna let go. Number one, my most favorite Nimic moment in this arc um, is is, I think it's the very end of the second episode of the arc. The Tie Fighter has like kind of like uh, um, yes, yes, Mm -hmm. yeah, done done the done the low flyby above the tower kind of deal, right? Right. Yep. Sca- sca- scaring the sheep, the sheep herders. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it's like it might be the last line of the episode. I can't remember. But Nimic just walks up to Andor and says, "Surprise from above is never as shocking as from below." Yes. Yes. I I remember that line well. That's ah oh, so so great. That's like slow motion walk away from an explosion level of cool. Like yeah. that is just such a badass line. It shows the like 100% like sort of class element class mm. consciousness element right. to the way yes. that Nimic conceives of this revolution exactly exactly uh, it's it's yes 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 they should have given him a microphone to drop and walk away <laughs> <after that point. laughs> yeah that was just like i don't know i just that was i just thought such a brilliant line um so cool it's so believable for the character like it was yeah. it was a line he'd already written in his manifesto so he had it <laughs> right like much like me holding on to girl boss wearing hugo boss for the last four months <laughs> he's had that holstered for so long right it mean he's, he's been out there for what six months you know just yeah. building building like you know scrap wood bottles of things like looking at looking at the place and coming up with these killer lines and it's manifesto. <laughs> how many how many goats had to die to bring us this glue for that uh. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So that's that's it. That's the top ten comrade Nimic moments of this arc. Oh, uh, was fantastic. I mean, we can just we can just end it here if you want to. I don't think we're gonna get get any better. Than that. I mean, we have recorded a long time. We we hit when we through through your top ten. I think we've hit a lot of points as well. I mean, I don't really yeah. have. We can, we can we can steamroll through the rest if you want to. We should spend some time on Senator Mon Mothma because that's the other huge introduction to this arc, isn't it? Yeah. So I guess I think we're right about there too. Like, so she's she's coming into our good friend uh, Luthen's antiquity mm-hmm. store, right? <laughs> it's Cabinet of Curiosities, right? Yeah. Luthen's Believe It or Not Museum. <laughs> Off the bat, I just want to take a second to to admire the. Um, I guess the same way kind of Mando did in that one episode, like the, um, their Bon Mothma's like sort of limousine car, right? Oh, yes. Her like a big it looks, blue Cadillac. It looks like a, like a, like a seventies Cadillac, like something, yes. you know, you might see like in like a period piece about, you know, like, you know, cruising around, you know, East Berlin or something like that. Like it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I, like it, it looks like it's from the future simultaneously, but being from, I guess the sort of period they're trying to channel here. And I really, really, really like that. Do you think it's like a little bit of like a throwback to like, in a way that we, you know, everyone knows rogue one did a good job with it. And this show does it too, of, of hitting some of that like seventies aesthetic. I mean, I feel, I feel like the show in general does a fantastic yeah. job of that. Cause yeah. I, I think you, you sent me like this little, like this Andor, like Andor, like nineteen seventies, like sh- like TV show introduction, like Link, right? Yeah, where someone kind of like rejiggered the theme as if it was like a nineteen seventies show. Yeah, and and they threw in like some seventies theme music and stuff, and like some voiceover. But the the show's um just general visual style fit perfectly. I mean, it it you could not have made a show in the seventies to look more like this. Like it, it, I think I mentioned, maybe mentioned in the last podcast, but this just the whole, I mean, not just the tech too, but like the tech and the visual just really matches, I think in a very loving way, the whole like seventies sort of motif for, you know, style and everything really. This car, I, it really looks kind of like a mid sixties coupe de ville. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a bad time placing like, you know, Cadillacs from that era, but it has, you yeah. know, like the, it has like you know, kind of like the two kind of protrusions on either side for like the headlights, you know, kind of like the big vertical grills, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It is obscenely long. <laughs> oh yeah, right. You cannot make a right turn from a one way. You can't make a right turn in this vehicle. Right, and it is. If it had wheels, it would, you know, be a, by any other definition, a land yacht, for yeah, sure. I've sent you a little link on uh, on the chat. Oh here yeah, of, pr- pr- of this car in real life. Absolutely, like this is this like that is the exact car I had in mind when I was thinking about this. Yeah, still got the fins in back, and like you said, the kind of pointy top. Pretty sweet that Mon Moth was driving that around. And for reference, like you think you you sent me like a two door Coupe de Ville, right? Like a mm-hmm. late sixties, yeah, sixty seven kind of like Coupe de Ville, kind yeah. of that same, and, same, and the same blue, blue color. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it is it is a perfect color. It is yeah, like they essentially just just took the wheels off this thing and like bonded over those those wheel openings and 
Like it's is is the same car in my in Got my the mind. Chrome, the chrome yes. on the front. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you put white walls on a hovercraft, but something got to be white walls <laughs> on that Mon Mothma right. Coupe de Ville. Uh, but there's a new a new driver in the Coupe de Ville, isn't there? Right. So like you know, there's spies everywhere. Like drivers getting replaced. New people whenever she goes to the bank. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, spies spies everywhere. I love the um the front the whole front aspect of Skarsgård's operation here because it gives him a great excuse to you know travel off world for stuff like it is it is really a, a great front operation as far as I'm concerned. A hundred percent, yeah. It it makes sense he'd be traveling around. Makes sense he'd have all kinds of people in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, what about that scene uh, from from uh? Where like he's got like put his face on. <laughs> oh yeah, to Coruscant. Yeah, he's I think, wear his I wig. Think, I think it's early in the first episode where he's where he's he he has like his whole little secret compartment that is you know not full of like you know drugs or you know <laughs> right. weird pornography. It's just full of you know wigs, and jewelry, and you know stuff like that. And there's yeah. there's this there's this little sequence where like he just does like this thing kind of like in the mirror sort of, but just kind of to himself where he's like, you know, um, like after he's put on his wig and rings where he's just kind of miming this sort of like interaction in his head and like getting into like the groove of this characters. Uh, it's, and he just drops it immediately and goes back to like, you know, I guess the cockpit. Uh, it's just such a great little moment. Yeah. It's, it's a real like, um, what are they caught Reservoir Dogs at the airport story or the commode story or something like that? It's like he's practicing the commode story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like he's he's really getting into character. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the store is great. I love the um there's the fun little bit of like spy craft where So I guess Mothma is there. I didn't it's a been a fun show to rewatch because I didn't really understand everything going on in this Mothma scene at the start. Mm-hmm. But it's that she wants to bring in a new banker to help her, right? Right. Yeah. She like it's you know she's like he Shaz has her about moving the money around, right? So mm-hmm. he's you know, and she's you know really having issues, and then you, the whole finishing point off where they kind of you know really the last instructions like it's in full view of the uh, the spy driver mm-hmm. is 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 really really great. Like it's just you know here's your present, you know. It's a bold choice or whatever, you know, I expect you'll do the right thing kind of deal. Uh, it's, that's so great. Yeah, that's that's really brilliant. I love uh, the that, – that kind of stuff is always fun. That kind of spycraft mm. stuff is always fun. The double yeah. entendre of having one conversation, right? And Because there's even a little bit of an ominous part to it where she's like, and if I do want to return it, like – she says something like about how like she can return it. Like you'll be here if I need to return it. And his response yeah. is like, like, well, if not, Clea can always reach me. Right, right. You yeah, know, it's a bit of like a, I'm gonna like if this stuff goes south, you are not gonna be finding me. Kind of statement to Mon Mothma that is so cool and honest. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, the surface is like, oh, you know, I'm always off-world gathering these sort of artifacty kind of things. But, yeah, like if, if this, yeah, if something's not right, then, yeah, good luck. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
how cool is the i guess it's like the the chandrillan embassy that she lives in yeah it's oh man it's got this i mean back to like the whole like perfect sort of like 70s futuristic motif like this this is very i don't know maybe i mean not quite 70s but sort of blade runner-esque i don't know did you pick up any of those vibes in here you know, now that you mention it, maybe like this, the scenes where he first meets the replicant mm-hmm. and puts her through the Voight comp test kind of thing. Yes, 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 yes. I just love the, the kind of like cherry blossom branches mm-hmm. going on. I don't know. Just, it's a very cool like room. It's just like very kind of lovingly set, you know? Yeah, I mean, back back to like the natural, like like a lot of like the light fixtures and things, and like the walls are very, um, I don't know, natural. I guess have like mm-hmm. natural kind of inspirations. So you know, either they're like, you know, they're either viney or kind of maybe honeycomby kind of deals. Yeah, right? some of the like, screens that separate mm-hmm. the rooms. Yeah, like it's it's it is a very um, sharp contrast to um, our favorite deputy inspector <laughs> right. it's, uh, um, mother's apartment or whatever but we can right. we can we can put a pin in that for later if you want to <laughs> it is a fun contrast and then you have like mon mothma's home life right like what kind of a bold choice to write her as having like an absolute sack of shit for a husband yeah and just a very icy relationship with her daughter and i mean i think we find out uh, in a later set of episodes that, I mean, these like Shandrillans get just married, like obscenely young, like early teens. Oh yeah. Like They're getting married like the same age that Naboo is like making you a queen. Right. <laughs> like, right. That, young, that terrifyingly young. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, like you figure like they're just, you know, like you're just, I'm sure divorce isn't a thing. So like you've been together since you were 13. So yeah. you're just, you're hard stuck with that. But I just think, like, it's really cool that Mothma, it's like she really doesn't have anything else, you know? And, and I like this idea that you can kind of ask, like, which caused which. Like, did the bad home life kind of make it easy for, easier for her to go all in on the rebellion? Or did her going all in on the rebellion preclude the ability to her to, like, build meaningful relationships with her husband and daughter you know, it's just a kind of fun ambiguity, I guess, in the show. Oh, that's a really great point. Yeah, it's oh man, I don't really know how to want to go on that one. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's I mean, because I think we prior to this, like, I think she was known as a senator beforehand, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so this was this is entirely unexpected in terms of her being like a political figure, but yeah, like the, the detail, like they're really fleshing out of these details, which her heretofore unknown as far as i know or yeah yeah really i don't think so i mean she shows up a lot in in rebels but i don't like there's no notion of her having like a family in there you know right um they eat at that kind of like uh wayne manor i've never been in this room before table <laughs> right i don't want to sit too close to my to my family table <laughs> it's like i'm sorry our, our, our dining room only has <laughs> 
like the leaves don't come out of this this you know 24 person table. <laughs> yeah right we didn't have a breakfast room <laughs> right yeah i'm sorry it's 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 you know it's here you know eat on the couch so we <laughs> paid a lot for this table so yeah. uh it's staying um yeah you mentioned the contrast case right uh deputy inspector comes home to like such a fun stereotype character as his mom she is like the tv's every ethnicity mom Uh, right like yeah old jewish mom old italian mom old like every tv always gives you an old like othered (laughs) mom is always like this in in american tv i love like the um like the uh it's like he comes he comes home like in a very you know, like bright, airy, you know, sort of like terminal, right? Mm-hmm. Airport kind of thing into like these sort of, you know, fairly like co- close to like top level, like sort of brutalist architecture kind of buildings. And then it gets in this elevator and it just descends into this, you know, very like sparsely lit kind of, you know, um, brutalist hellscape right of you know public housing i guess 100 percent um like you said he gets on the elevator and it goes down and it is such a great image and Um, it's just naked concrete and mm -hmm. you know harsh angles and you know very little natural light oh it's just uh it's perfect yeah it's 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 been canonical before that the poorer people live on the lower portion, lower levels of Coruscant. Right. But I don't right. think it was ever visually done so well. I mean, I know, I think yeah. uh, Clone Wars maybe did some stuff in it. Um, but I just think this is, they, they, just the image of him going down. It's just so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, symbolic. Yes. I mean, you, you, I mean, just that the elevator. Yeah. Exactly. Ah, good stuff. Um, I think his mom is just right. The, the, you never call me mom opening the door. She's great. Right. I mean like, Oh yeah. To whatever element of humor that the deputy inspector and his, his comrades gave the show before just is transferred immediately to this apartment. And I love it. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean the, the, the open door interaction, like this, the, the slap followed by the hug, right? Is that, was that what it is? I mean, uh, it's, 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 that's all you need to know right there. Uh, who would have known that eating cereal would be such a moment for this show? <laughs> <laughs> cereal yeah. scenes are so good. He's, he's got like, I mean, of course you get the blue milk, right? And you got the, you know, the weird cocoa pebbles or whatever he's eating. Kind of like, crunch berries the color of count chocula yeah it's i mean i couldn't place the cereal so i don't know if it actually is an actual cereal but i, I assume they made it for the show which if that's the case mad props there that's that's yeah. great i like to call this cereal in honor of the deputy inspector's life frosted mistakes <laughs> <laughs> ah that's great what do you think they taste like? I can't just they're 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 in one extreme or the other, and I couldn't quite place it. Are they they're either like the super sugary cereal for kids, in a way that he's being like belittled, 
or they're like the super fibery for old people. There's no joy in your life. Like they're one or the other, Chris. And I couldn't figure out which kind of cereal frosted mistakes are. So I I'd kind of thought about this. Um, I, I think they are like they're 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 visually maybe sort of appealing, but they are they're like you know the soylent of of food of cereal. <laughs> it's it is just you know. I used to eat this cereal that I got from Trader Joe's called Fiberos. That is, <laughs> like, it, th- this is the fu- like this is the Fiberos without the fun of like the O shape. <laughs> like it is right, just the fiber. It is just 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 the fiber, like just the uh, just the pure whatever. Because like she's, I think his mom like slides him like the little tray of fruits at some point. <laughs> over to yeah, home. like this is just you know it, it's just bland textury you know <laughs> mediocrity it's, right, it's got to sit in the milk for like five minutes to be chewable otherwise right. you like break a tooth against it <laughs> yes. Here's, i'm gonna tell you all you need to know about fibros chris trader joe's discontinued fibros and when trader joe's discontinues something because it's like too healthy and bland <laughs> like this is too boring for trader joe's shoppers <laughs> too much of a health food too much of a gross oh, health food for Trader Joe's shoppers that's that's all you need to know about fibros it's like we, 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 it's like pe- people putting melted ice cream on fibros and still couldn't stand the taste <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then I think we hear mention of um, was it Uncle Harlow right yeah um, Uncle Harlow Uncle He's Harlow's fun. gonna fix all the problems she got a little bit of a Tony Soprano's mom vibe, I thought. Oh, good call. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. But yeah, he's got to be on a supposed behavior for Uncle Harlow. I I kind of just thought of her as like this sort of, you know, like social climbing, but I'm not going to be doing it sort of mother, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, what do you think Uncle Harlow does? I don't think it's ever addressed in the show. It sure seems like he's in sanitation or something, right? Like, right? Yeah. Like he's import export, labor unions, like Yeah, like like, like Uncle Harlow can, you know, make things happen, but you know <laughs> right? he can don't, pull don't, strings. Don't don't tell him Uncle Harlow, you know, made it happen. You know. <laughs> right. Uncle Harlow's very behind the scenes. Yeah. You're right. We should never meet Uncle Harlow. No. But I no, do no. want them to bring him up again in the future. Yeah, I mean, Uncle Harlow repays his favors for sure, but Uncle Harlow is, you know, not coming over for Sunday dinner. <laughs> Where are you taking this? Ultimate power in the universe. Where are you taking this? Sad devotion to that ancient religion. Where are you taking this thing? I think we have gone so long, I kind of feel like the big climax, we should make its own episode. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm game for that. So yeah, and, so uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about, and I just feel like I don't want to have to cut it out. <laughs> I mean, I mean, fair enough. There, there's a lot going on in these three episodes for sure. Yeah. So I mean, it's it may have been a bit ambitious to try and cram all three into into <laughs> one show. It's really, I mean, I think that aside from just like the context, I think getting to skip around these characters really makes this a livelier plot. Oh yeah, I mean, we we, we were very you know like. And or, you know, focused on the first three for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But 
like now we're you know we're, we're stepping back a bit and it is you know we were all the richer for it yeah before they had to use like kid andor plot line to kind of break it up a little bit um so yeah i was i was really wondering if that was going to be like a recurring theme throughout the season but yeah, yeah not, it sure not did the feel case. like it was going to at the start mm-hmm. i find that in this um in this arc and the next one I think the Mothma stuff is used very brilliantly to build tension. Cause a lot of times what might be going on with Andor might not be particularly exciting or interesting. Like it, it might not have much pacing to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially post heist. Yeah. You're right. About yeah. That. But Mothma is like always kind of like on the edge. So I feel like whenever we go to a Mothma scene, it always kind of like is able to crank the tension back up in the show. And so I find oh, yeah. it like it's a, it's almost like a, it's a bit of like a safety net for the editor to like, if pacing's getting a little weird, if, if, if the viewer's getting a little too comfortable, you can always cut back to some Mothma stuff. I mean, yeah, because I mean, with Mothma, you always feel like that you're one, you know, Gestapo knock on the door away from, you know, that being it essentially. Yeah. hundred percent. Cool. Well, any, any final thoughts? This the second episode of the arc had that really cool title, "The Axe Forgets." Yeah, the um, I think our our favorite, you know, our favorite uh, yeah, Skeen, the prison get prison escapee. Yeah, yeah, call, talks about that. Um, the the tree remembers, but the axe forgets. That is yes, so badass. Yes, 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 yes. Did I mean we're we're in. You know, I guess with a lot with Andor, we're in very, um, you know, human-centric episodes, right? So, yeah. Um, did you have any anything conspicuous pop up for you? Oh boy, that's a great question. I live for furs. I worship furs. Gold jacket, green jacket. Who gives it? Oh, please, won't you see my face? I was kind of ready to like. I mine's a big cop out. I, I, I was going to give it to the cereal. I'm just giving it to the cereal. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're that's 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 as valid as mine. Um, I'm giving mine to that that piece of like spiky ass armor in in um oh yeah in in, <laughs> in Luthen shop. Like I couldn't not look at that stupid thing whenever it popped up on the show. I'm trying to find like a good yeah. timestamp for it, uh, but it's like some you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm, yes, it's, yes. it sounds like you know exactly what I'm talking about. But that weird, uh, like, kind yeah. of, it looks like it's from like a Nazi Old Republic video game, something like that. It, it's it's this crazy looking kind of armor he had in there. Yeah, do you think Paul Bettany's character from Solo shops at Luthen's store? Because it seems oh. like he would have had that in his little secret office. I feel like he came in there and just bought out the place. Honestly, <laughs> when he when he when he was setting up his his flying flying off the spaceship, I, I, I let him like, have one of everything, please. Right, like he just like like whatever happens with Luthen's shop. I feel like Paul Bettany was at that, you know, at that you know um, insurance sale or whatever the hell oh, happened, yeah. and, and just bought out the whole damn place. Yeah, now there's a lot of cool stuff in there. There's like a. Um, like a horn, you know, like a, what's it called in Judaism? Like a, sh- a chauffeur or something like that. Like, the yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some cool, like 
I guess maybe like Mandalorian armor or something in there. Yeah, it's, it's like some some I mean some like he- helmetless Mando armor in the back. A, a I mean, Kuros. there's. I mean, we could probably do a whole episode on just like all the shit <laughs> in this store, but less, much less um, much like Dryden Voss's sort of office yeah. there. But um, yeah, in episode four, at like twenty nine fourteen, there's a great shot of it, like kind of between Mothma, right beside Mothma there. Yeah, it's really weird. It's one of those like sometimes you see like the Museum of Art here in town has like some shogun, like some samurai armor, you know. Yeah, they've got a great little exhibit of, I think, a permanent exhibit of that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, and it's like this is a this this is a you know, like I can't imagine this ever could have been fault in. It's so like kind of ceremonial and just right. Like this this is for the parade, the post battle parade. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is this is this is not for uh, any kind of practical application. Hey, speak. I'll close with this. This is a fun story. I was actually at the art museum today, Chris. I, I was, oh yeah, uh, yeah. They they do like free coffee sometimes, and I just took my laptop over there to work. Oh, that's a fantastic idea. Crap, I'm 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 gonna get in on that. That is that is a great idea. Shit. Yeah, I think it's just free through the end of this month, and then the one was saying that they might make it pay, but it's still worth paying just to go. Get yeah. Out of the house, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> so I'm sitting there at the table, and this woman. Like probably around this probably I would say about seventy year old white woman walks up and she says, Excuse me, can you tell me what a yoga computer is? And I said, I have no idea. A yoga computer? Like Y O G A computer? Yeah. And she says, It says yoga on your computer. And I flip it over to the back, and sure enough it does. And I said, Oh, I guess that's the model name. And she said, who, who makes it? And I like don't even, it's like my work computer, I don't even know. So I kind of look all over. I'm like, oh, I guess uh, Lenovo makes it. And she kind of laughed. She's like, you don't know what kind of computer you have? I was like, no, it's a work computer. And she said, well, I'm glad you're such a hard worker, kind of sarcastically. <laughs> and I say, <laughs> so I say, well, maybe I'm doing some, maybe, maybe my work is terribly evil, in which case it's good that I don't work very hard. <laughs> she's she does not miss a beat chris she just says oh i hope you are that would make this so much more interesting <laughs> wow. I swear to God, that whole conversation 100 percent happened just like that shit i'm gonna start working at the art museum now that is fantastic <laughs> man the, the 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 members just rolling up in there on a on a what <laughs> on a wednesday <laughs> On a Wednesday, just, yeah. just, 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 you know, <laughs> dropping those kinds of bombs on people know, in the cafe. They're there that's, for the banter, you know. Oh, that's great. I, I hoped, I hope to one day have the uh, both the time and uh, um, <laughs> mental wit to, to just go into an art museum and shit on people. <laughs> that, yes. Oh, that's great. It's like. It's so disarming too. Like the age made her so disarming. Mm-hmm. I just, I would have been more ready for it, but it was great. I'm looking forward <laughs> to my advanced age of just being able to, you know, have that, have that in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah, for for social interactions. What a what a what a great great uh, hopeful idea that we'll both be alive and there will still be art museums by the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, they, they maybe thirty five years time. They may be comprised of of the world that was <laughs> at that right. point. 
and you know it's just our day-to-day our, our actual like things and this is this is this is what the previous survived the nuclear holocaust right. it's just random artifacts here here are the decadent artifacts of the previous <laughs> he's a game boy right yeah. uh here here are the things that led to the societal collapse of 2032. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> right. Here, here, here's what life was like before we had to strap, you know, spikes to our cars and go roam the wasteland for for gasoline. <laughs> We're wearing that helmet from Luthan's uh, gallery. Yeah, it's it's Tuesday, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're talking. We're, we're you know styling ourselves as as the Lord Humongous or, or whatever it was from Mad Max. Yeah. Well, I would like to thank Computer Music All-Stars for the music we use on this show. I'd like to thank all of our listeners and the patrons of the Birmingham Museum of Art. I would like to (laughs) invite uh, our viewers and witty banterers to find us on Twitter at WeServeDroids. Check out the WeServeDroids Facebook group and email us at WeServeDroids at gmail.com. And if you have some, uh, you know, accounts you need to move some, you know, money around for, for your, you know, uh, rebellious nature, um, check us out at patreon.com slash we serve droids. And if there's something else, I'm forgetting it, but we shall return with the exciting conclusion to this story arc. Yes. And maybe something else besides that. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) I'll talk to you soon, Chris. Talk to you soon, Scott. Quick, quick aside, you can cut this out, but um, the uh, there's like this like this speakeasy bar kind of in, in Avondale, I think called Marble yeah. Ring. They yes. used to have like a hot dog joint as like the quote unquote front out, you know, you know, in front yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Well, whenever you went there, like the bill would just show up as like hot diggity dogs. <laughs> if, you went, if you went to the bar, and I was like, man, they they know what they're doing here. This is this. <laughs> it's like you, you spent you spent one hundred and fifty dollars. I'm sure that that conversation had to happen more than once. Right. I'm not sure which. I'm not sure which would make my spouse like hate right. me more. More, more disgusted. <laughs> right. right. These are artisanal hot dogs, sweetie. I don't know what. To- <laughs> I got. I got. I got the wagyu beef dog with with um extra saffron and then. <laughs> And white truffle oil and whatever else. <laughs> oh man, what's that like bird that rich people eat? That like oh yes, oh god, the uh, like it's it's illegal. Um, oh shit, give me a second, I can think of it. Uh, oh, there's like a stupid fucking episode of Billions that like just really had it on there. It was great. Uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I know what you're talking I about. I just had to Google it. I don't know how to pronounce it. Ortolan? Ortolan? Ortolone. Ortolone. Ortolone dog. Like you, <laughs> right. you, you, like you drape like a napkin over your head and like eat it whole to like hide your shame from God. That's <laughs> how, how it's been described. Well, that is much like my hot dog eating behavior, so. I, I, I know a shocking amount about this stupid bird. <laughs> So, 
Like they blind them so they think it's nighttime, so they just eat and engorge themselves, <laughs> apparently. And then they cook God. them by like drowning them like an Armagnac or something. Like it is, it is a horrible, horrible, horrible practice, and very much should be illegal. But yeah, it's just, it's just decadence for <laughs> decadence' sake. Like it's that's ridiculous that we're like, hmm, this is a this is a great idea. Let's continue doing this. Pure hedonism, bot. I know it is very maximum hedonism, bot. Ugh. Um. <laughs> back to Aldani. Switch, switch, <laughs> switching gears. <laughs> you guys look like. What do they look like, Jimmy? Dorks. <laughs> they look like a couple of dorks. 